Good morning, Promise Church. What a beautiful setup. I don't know who did this, Pastor Cindy, but this looks fantastic. It really does. Doesn't it, right? It looks so good. I, I'm so honored and humbled every time that my wife and I have the privilege of coming here to the Promise. Um, there's so many memories that, that pop up, and I just I, I always get a flood of, of different memories that'll pop up. A few years ago, uh, my wife and I were guests leading worship here in this building. Uh, and as we were singing, our two youngest, our boys Liam and Uriah, they were in kids' church with Pastor Lindsay. And I remember the story that our oldest tells of the first time that he was in kids' church with Pastor Lindsay, and she had all the children pray in tongues together. And my son didn't know what praying in tongues really was or hadn't really seen it except for mom and I occasionally. And so uh, <laughs> Liam, our oldest, he came back. We were in the car driving back home from the promise. We, we pray in tongues. All, is that what you're saying? Yeah, we pray in tongues all the time. But it was in a group setting for the first time for him. And, and he was telling us the story in the car. And he goes, Dad, we were all sitting there and all the kids were holding hands. And then everybody just started speaking in tongues. And he goes, I didn't know what to do. So I just started going, ba, 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 ba. And he, he was just trying to fill it in. And I love it because this is a church that trains and equips the next generation in the things of the Spirit. Not just Bible stories that you can remember, but something that will really equip this next generation to face the challenges that we're heading into that gets us ready. And so I'm so honored to be here. Thank you, Pastor Cindy, for the opportunity. Is it okay if we go off script just a little bit? I feel like the Holy Spirit dropped a word. <laughs> you said that really enthusiastically. <laughs> yes. Babe, would you come up? I'm gonna, uh, there was a word I felt like the Lord put on my heart this morning, and then Pastor Cindy came up and, and told me before worship started about some of the brothers and, and friends that we have in the church. Some of, some of you all are, are from recovery, and um, even during prayer, like, the Lord was just, was just downloading this word. And I feel like for some in this Christmas season, uh, there is a, if we could have the keyboard unmuted, I'll just have Carrie just play lightly. Perfect. I feel like for some this season, I, I'm going to jump in and, and the title of my message this morning is the way of the king. And we're going to focus on Jesus. And as I was thinking through traditions of Christmas and what that looks like, I was also reminded that for many, and I felt like the Holy Spirit put this word in my heart, for many of you, there's, there's some trauma and there's some uh, difficulties attached to this season. And the Lord was speaking in my heart this morning that he wants to erase trauma and he wants to bring healing in this moment. So if you found that this year in particular, there's some unique set of challenges that maybe you haven't had to face in years past. The Lord wants to bring healing and restoration to your heart. And if, if that's you, and this is the season for you right now where you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling this year. There's some things here that this, is, this has just been a challenge. I would like you to stand. And I believe the Lord's just gonna begin to move through this room. Even online, you can participate in this word as well. If there's just some brokenness that, that you've struggled through, maybe not just this year, maybe it's been an ongoing thing, I believe the Lord's going to bring healing and restoration today in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Can you imagine 
what it was like for Mary and Joseph all the years through Jesus's adolescence growing up, that Jesus was the child responsible for every child under the age of two in the vicinity of Bethlehem and Jerusalem to be murdered by King Herod. Imagine all of the, the, the trauma attached to that and all of the stigma and how much hatred and bitterness there probably was toward Mary and Joseph, toward the boy, Jesus. Because Herod was trying to kill him, but he ended up killing every other child in the vicinity under the age of two. The enemy has always tried to attach the worst trauma and the worst fear to the things surrounded by the Holy Spirit of what God is doing. And the Lord is bringing restoration this morning, and I want to prophesy to every one of you today that death has no victory. Death has no sting. Jesus is the restorer. He is the redeemer. And so if we could, all through the room and even online, if you would just close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven this morning. He is the deliverer. He is the redeemer. And when he redeems, he leaves nothing broken, nothing missing. I declare that in the name of Jesus, nothing broken, nothing missing. Right now in Jesus' name. Every enemy, every area where the enemy meant for harm, Jesus is turning for good right now. Holy Spirit, I release a spirit of comfort. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and you are the comforter. You are the peace giver. All through the room right now, the Lord is just touching hearts. Just allow them to touch you. Lord, we thank you for restoration. We thank you for wholeness. We thank you for healing. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who was and is and is to come. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. We fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You're beautiful. We're just going to sing you're beautiful. You're beautiful. Yes, Lord. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Come on, sing that out to him this morning. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Yes, Lord. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Come on, just lift this up this morning. Sing it again. You're beautiful. Thank you, Lord. 
Holy Spirit, thank you that you rest in this room, that you are the peace giver, you are the comforter, the helper, the healer. And I thank you that right now in this season, every Christmas party, every gathering that will take place, every memory that pops up, Lord, that you're the one that brings restoration and the sting of the loss no longer affects our emotional state in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for restoration. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, that was, that was good. You can have a seat. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful for my wife, my bride. She just flows with the punches, just kind of goes wherever, wherever the Holy Spirit leads. The Lord always syncs you up with the right person when you're, uh, when you're waiting on him. And it's very evident to me also in the styles in which how we, uh, we shop when we're going Christmas shopping. My wife has a very different approach when she's shopping than when I am. It's funny, we were at the grocery store earlier this week. And uh, the way I shop is like I'm looking for deals at, for cereal, for groceries, all of those pieces. And uh, so we're at the grocery store and I'm, I'm pulling out cereal and I'm looking at the ingredients and then I go, I'm always trying to calculate the price per ounce on, uh, that's how nerdy I am, right? I literally am standing in the aisle at the grocery store and I get my phone out and I go to the calculator app and I'm typing in what the ounces are and the price and I'm dividing in. I'm like, that's 23 cents an ounce. Like, I don't know, I'd rather be around 20. So like, I'm like trying to calculate the price per ounce and I find, I find a good deal on Honey Nut Cheerios and I get like three packages of them. So I'm, I'm like so proud of myself because cumulatively I saved like $4 on all of the, all of the cereal. So then I, I put it in my cart and I go to my wife. I go, babe, I saved like four bucks. I got a bulk thing of Honey Nut Cheerios. I feel really good about it. And then here's my wife. She's pushing our cart and she looks at the end cap. She goes, huh, Havarti cheese, and she just throws it in, and it was like full price, and it just, you know, just, just chucks it in the, in the shopping cart, so the Lord always has different approaches, and then on the flip side, we were at Home Depot the other day, and uh, I'm looking, for, yeah, so I'm looking for um, some large trash cans for a Christmas production that my wife is putting on, and of course, I refuse to ask anyone where things are, as any men can relate, so I don't want to ask where directions are. And so my wife just walks straight up to the, the uh, employee and she goes, excuse me, where are the, uh, where are the trash cans? He goes, oh, I won. And so I just, I had to do the walk of shame because I was on like the other end of the store, like way on the, the far end and came back. But the Lord will pair us up with the right person. And if you are, uh, if you are single in this Christmas season, I, uh, I want to just encourage you all to just wait on the Lord. If you're wanting and believing for that person, uh, God will bring the right person in the right season. And don't compromise. Don't compromise. Be patient. Wait for that right person. Pray for that right person. We pray for our, our boys' spouses. They're only 13 and 10, but we pray for them all the time. Because God has the right person for you. And God is going to pair you up. And so he is so good. Amen. Let's put the first title up on the screen, The Way of the King. I wanted us to focus this morning on uh, the humanity of Jesus. 
and for us to really hone in because our Christology, the way that we view Christ in scripture has a direct effect on how we walk out our daily Christian life. The entire crux of the Christian faith is us being molded and formed and conformed into the image of Jesus. We don't teach on discipleship because we uh, believe that discipleship is important. We are discipled into the person of Jesus. We're being formed and shaped into his image, into his likeness. So one of the traditions of Christmas that, uh, that our family has always held near and dear to our heart is Charlie Brown. So we have a, uh, a Charlie Brown slide that uh, this is always something that just conjures up such great memories. And we're going to read the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And I feel like we can't really do it justice unless we read it in the original King James version, right? So does anybody actually have a King James Bible? Is it, are you the only one? All right. Like for real, you have a paper one right now in your hand. You brought it this morning. Is there a King James Bible in the room right now? Come on. I love that. I love that. I love, <laughs> I love it. I was going to have someone read, but I think, uh, I think I'll probably read through this, this piece together. Let's, let's read this together, and uh, we're going to go to the first verse. And uh, let's read out loud this traditional Christmas story together in the King James. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Next slide. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. I love this. This is the portion of scripture that every year at Christmas we'll have our boys sit down and we'll open up to Luke chapter 2. Men, fathers in the room, start traditions that your kids can carry on. And if you don't read to your children Christmas morning, if you don't have your kids reading, read this passage of scripture. Luke chapter 2. Have them go through the Christmas story to understand what this season is all about. Each year, I, I take some time to kind of go through um, different pieces of the Christmas story to really dive in. And this year, I've been kind of nerding out on the genealogy of Jesus. And uh, when I look at the two portions of Scripture that talk about the heritage and the lineage of Christ, there's Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew chapter 1 goes through from Abraham through the line of Joseph. And what it does is that that portion of genealogy shows that Jesus has a legal claim to the throne of David. There's prophecies in the Old Testament that say that Jesus will be in the line or the lineage of David. And that King David's line will reign for all eternity. So Jesus has to literally be a blood relative in the lineage of King David. Matthew 1 takes that, that lineage from Abraham and goes down to Joseph. In chapter 3 of the Gospel of Luke, it's an interesting one because you see the lineage going all the way from Adam. Straight down from Adam, there's 70 
generations that go through. And from Adam all the way down to Mary's line. And so it shows that both Mary and Joseph both come from the lineage of David. Joseph, not being the biological father of Jesus, still had a legal claim to the throne of David. Mary, of the blood lineage of King David, was born. She had the seed of the Holy Spirit from which Jesus was born. In the Christian faith, there's no other religion that can successfully have predictions hundreds and thousands of years ahead of time. And there are hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament pointing toward Jesus being born. I had a discussion with somebody in our neighborhood. It's, it's been fun to kind of look at how, how our Christian faith, when you look at the Old Testament, there's hundreds of scriptures that prophesy about Jesus and he fulfilling every single one of those. There's no other Christian, there's no other faith, there's no other religion that can make that claim. The Book of Mormon has prophecies that didn't occur and that have also not ever occurred, have never taken place, and they had to rewrite portions of their text just to correct it. We had Jehovah's Witnesses coming through our neighborhood a few weeks ago, and uh, the Jehovah's Witness was trying to convince me that because our family celebrates Christmas and Easter, that we're not saved, and he started going through these pieces. And so I ended up pointing him. I said, let's go to John 1.1. Let's look at John 1.1 together. And so we pulled it up, and, and it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. In the Jehovah's Witness version, it says the Word was a God. They change one little word. They have to tweak things in order for their faith to work. But when you look at the Christian faith, when you look at the Bible, there's no comparison because only in Scripture do you have hundreds of Scriptures that point to the person of Jesus and it actually takes place. No other human in history was able to actually predict his death and resurrection and actually pull it off. Muhammad is in the grave. Joseph Smith is in the grave. Jesus Christ is risen today, forevermore. Amen? Genesis 3.15, God prophesied to Eve right after they ate the fruit in the Garden of Eden, right after sin entered the, the humanity of man. God already had a way, a redemptive plan in place. And God made this prophecy. This is, this is the first messianic prophecy pointing toward the coming of Christ. And God himself prophesies to Eve and speaks to the serpent who deceived Eve. And God says this. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed, the serpent's seed, and the woman's seed. He said seed, singular seed. Women don't have seed. Men do. But Mary had a seed. Mary had a seed given to her by the Holy Spirit that was born Jesus. He, that seed, Christ Jesus, he will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. The first messianic prophecy pointing toward the coming of Christ. You can see hundreds of them. You can go through. There's probably about three to four hundred messianic prophecies that point toward Jesus. 
So let's look at a couple of contexts. We'll go to the verse uh, that talks about Israel in the 400 years of silence. In, uh, in the nation of Israel, if you look at the Old Testament, the last prophet to, to bring the word of the Lord. In the Old Testament, you didn't have people that operated in the gift of prophecy like you and I do today. They didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in their hearts where God would give utterance to multiple people. In the Old Covenant, there was one person who was the voice of the Father. There was one person that had his ear, and he was the spokesperson for the nation of Israel. Malachi was the last prophet to, ha- to be that spokesperson. And from Malachi to the birth of Jesus, there was 400 years of silence. No prophets had a word from the Lord. No miracles took place. It was a dead, silent, dry season spiritually. So you can imagine the wonder and the awe of that moment. Can we put this first scripture up again of the verse uh, where it talks about uh, the, the first verse? Yes. And that's why I love when we look at this and there we're in the same country. We have to not get familiar with the, with the pieces of scripture and really allow the Holy Spirit to unlock and unpack things for us in our spirit. Take time this Christmas season, read the story and sit with your Bible open and say, Holy Spirit, give me new revelation of who Jesus is. Let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. And there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field. Shepherds were low-income profession. It was considered unskilled labor. It doesn't say that the angel appeared to the lawyers and the business owners, or the angels came to the scribes and the Pharisees. Those were the learned in the ways of the law. Those that had all the answers and were waiting. No, who who did the angel appear to? Shepherds. The basic people. And to point out the simplicity, he appeared to the shepherds and Jesus being born in a manger. And I love this. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Do you know the last time the glory of the Lord made an appearance? Ezekiel chapter 10. Hundreds, almost 600 years prior to that, when Israel was conquered by Babylon, Ezekiel chapter 10 talks about how the glory of the Lord departed from the temple. That was the last time the glory of the Lord made an appearance until this moment right here. This was a significant moment when the things of the spirits begin to stir. God shows up and the glory of the Lord appeared. It's the same glory that led the Israelites through the desert. A fire by night and a cloud by day. That Israel would follow the glory of the Lord. The same glory that would rest over the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. As Moses would minister to the Lord, that glory rested with Israel on a daily basis. But it departed. And for, almost, for over 600 years, the glory of the Lord was not seen. But it showed up. Not to the scribes, not to the professionals, to the shepherds. I just find that so fascinating. I just find that so beautiful that reveals the heart of our Father to reach those that would be considered outcasts and nobodies in society. They're the ones that God chose to reveal the Messiah that they had been waiting for hundreds of years for. That's who God revealed Jesus to. So I want to focus on One piece, when we talk about the way of the king, and that is the humility of Christ. When we look at the humility of Christ, to me, the manger represents the ultimate expression of humility. 
I mean, he's the creator of the world. He was there at creation, and he's born in a stable. There's smells in that room. There's sounds in that room. I, was, I grew up in East County. I'm sad to say I'm a lakeside boy through and through. I raised pigs my whole life. <laughs> On my family's driveway, when I grew up, we had goats, chickens, pigs, dogs. I'm familiar with the smells of the farm life. It's not pleasant. This is the, the environment in which Jesus chose to make his introduction. The inauguration of the King of Kings was in the stable. I mean, gosh, you just, you just, when you really dwell on that and you just say, Lord, show me what that looks like. What does it mean? It's, it's just an amazing revelation to look at the humility of Jesus. And so all throughout Jesus' life, he's demonstrating to the world and specifically to the disciples what humility looks like and when you are the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, what that looks like in a practical sense for us to walk out in. So turn with me. I want to I look at this uh, lesson that, that Jesus gives his disciples. Luke chapter 9. Skip forward a few pages. Luke chapter 9. Verse 46 through 48. There's a question that arose with the 12 disciples. And I find this so funny. Because here are the 12 disciples. Before I read this verse, look in the context. Earlier in the chapter of Luke chapter 9, Jesus had just sent out his 12 disciples. There were no humans on the face of the planet other than Jesus more skilled and more experienced in the supernatural. There were no people that performed more miracles, more deliverances than the 12 disciples. Peter, James, John, even Judas. All of these disciples had just been sent out in earlier in Luke chapter 9. They'd they performed all these miracles. Jesus commissioned them. He said, raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Freely you've been given, freely you've received, freely give. So Jesus commissioned his disciples to operate in these supernatural, miraculous ways. And now they've come back. They're having a debrief meeting with Jesus. And this is how the conversation goes. Verse 46, chapter 9, an argument started among the disciples. Do you know what they were arguing about? Who's the greatest? They're puffing their chests up going, I think I did better miracles than Peter did. I think, did you guys see that guy that I healed? Did you see that miracle that, that happened? They're, they're, they're posturing. They're trying to decide who's the greatest and who's the one that Jesus is going to give the greatest honor to when he assumes his throne. The way of the king is humble. The way of the king is lowly. So Jesus decides to take a little child to use that child as an object lesson, to teach his disciples what it means to be great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 46, an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, I love that. Man, what a gift of the Spirit to know someone's thoughts. Wow. 
There's many times where that took place. When, remember when the man was dropped down from the roof to be healed? And Jesus spoke to the man. He didn't heal him directly. What is the first thing that Jesus said to him? He said, your sins are forgiven. And he knew that was going to tick off the Pharisees. And the Bible says that he knew the Pharisees' thoughts without them even speaking it. He knew their thoughts. So here's Jesus. Knowing the disciples' thoughts, what did he do? He took a little child, and he had him stand beside him. And then he said to them, the disciples, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. This is the lesson. For he who is least or lowliest among you is the greatest in the kingdom. We have to understand that the people of God, the followers of Jesus are the ones that willingly take the low road. I'm so grateful for people that will be willing to, to step into the, the, the mangers of the world, to step into the places that nobody else wants to walk because those are the places that God anoints to see breakthrough. That's where God anoints us to see breakthrough. There is not a single person in this room that should feel too high or, or um, overqualified to scrub a toilet. We're willing to step into the lowliest of places because it's in our weakness, it's in our lowliness that God can bring exaltation. It's where he steps up. There's been a, uh, for my wife and I, this has been a season of... Um, I wouldn't say it's been a, a, a challenge or struggle, but since we've planted our church at Multiply, um, we, we've closed down the doors for the last about year and a half now. And so we've just been attending at a church in East County. And it's very odd to be a church planter and be on staff at churches and, and led worship and, and preached in front of hundreds and thousands of people. And then you just attend somewhere. It's, it's, it's a different feeling. And for my wife and I, we determined very early on from the very beginning that we were, there was going to be no job that was, that was too low for us. And so for, for our personal growth, we felt like the Lord was just saying, serve. Everywhere you go, step in and serve. Step in and serve. And so the Lord's given us favor at this church and other places to just see amazing miracles and amazing things take place because we step in with a heart to just come up underneath whoever the Lord is moving. And I believe that's what Jesus is speaking about in this moment. When he says, when you take a child, it's not just welcoming a child who, by the way, in a, in a social setting, a child is typically the one that you don't want to uh, give the, the, the attention to. You're usually looking at people in the room who have more importance. But I think there's a deeper meaning that Jesus is speaking about in this. He's saying, when you welcome a child, what you're doing is you're coming up under the lowliest of, of people in a social status situation, and you're lifting them up to that place that you know God's called them to be. And God is calling each one of us to take in and look at who the next generation of leaders are. And this is a challenge, I think, for every one of us, is come up underneath. Who's those, who are those children? Who are those people that God is raising up? Come underneath them. This isn't about your opportunity. This is about lifting someone up and saying, God has called you into something great. And so that Jesus is taking this moment to point toward a child and tell his 12 disciples who just cast out demons, who just did a bunch of miracles, all of which we would probably just go, wow, that was amazing. I, I'm just so uh, uh, 
odd that God would use me in this way. And Jesus is taking that moment to say, lift up the next generation. It's not about you. Take them and bring them up into the calling that God has for them. Amen? I want to close with uh, this verse in Philippians. If you'll turn with me, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2. This is a familiar scripture that, that we know. And keep your thumbs there. We're not going to read just yet. I just want to close out on this story in Luke chapter 9. Right after Jesus uses the child as the object lesson for what humility and lowliness looks like, they're traveling on their way to the city of Jerusalem. And there's a conflict between the people of Samaria and the Jews. And every single season of the Jewish feasts and festivals, when the Jews would travel down to Jerusalem, there was a conflict because all of the Samarians, or Samaritans, they felt like the true temple is supposed to be located in Samaria. So every time a Jew would travel through their city and they would pass through Samaria, they would get upset. And there was a deep animosity between the two people groups of the Jews and the Samaritans. So now, you have Peter and the disciples. Let me just read this section in verse 51. As the time approached for him, Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead. So he sent his disciples, who went into a Samaritan village to get the things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome Jesus because he was heading for Jerusalem. He wasn't going to worship in Samaria. He's going to Jerusalem. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, remember they were called the sons of thunder. They had some, uh, they had some attitude, some edges that the Lord was trying to knock off of them a little bit. When James and John heard this, they asked, Lord, here's their, here's their answer, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy the city. He's like, yes, this is what the Lord wants to do. You're not going to accept Jesus. We're going to burn the place down. We're going to burn Utica to the ground. It's an office reference if anybody watches The Office. <laughs> I had like two laughs. Not an office fan in here. That's awesome. So their, their solution is that we're going to burn the city to the ground. And Jesus, I, I, I mean, just catch this. this is, to me, this is a picture of God's grace as well. Peter, James, John, all of them performed all these miracles. Now they're calling he fire down from heaven to burn the city. Jesus brings an immediate correction to them. He turned and rebuked them, and they went along to another village. Some manuscripts say, if you have a footnote, it says, Jesus spoke to them, and he said, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of. The Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. I find it so interesting that the Lord allows us to operate in the grace of seeing the miraculous take place in our lives, even when there's some broken pieces in our hearts that the Lord's still working through. 
I've been a personal recipient of that where I know that God has used me in mighty ways, but don't ever make the mistake that because God did a miracle through you or because you're anointed and there's something that the Lord's using you to perform in someone else's life, that that is any reflection of your relationship with the Lord personally. We are called to walk in intimacy with him. The Bible says that God's gifts and callings are without repentance. So when he blesses you, when he anoints you, don't mistake that for intimacy with the Father. We are still called to connect with him personally. I find it humbling that King Saul, in the height of his insanity, was able to operate in the prophetic. He got among the other prophets, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and he prophesied like the other prophets did. And then he turned around, and he tried to spear David and kill him in the same moment. Just because we operate in the supernatural, just because we see miracles take place, don't mistake that, that we have that intimacy with the Father. And the disciples were doing the same thing. They're like, look, we did all these great things. And they're making that connection. And Jesus is saying, you're not of the same spirit. You're not of the same spirit. The Son of Man came to save, not to destroy. It's the same word for us. He's come to bring restoration and healing so every area of our hearts that we hold on to that, that has an area of brokenness, a little twisted uh, connection to our past way of thinking, those are the places that we're surrendering to the cross. And we're saying, Jesus, I want to manifest you in every area of my life. So we're going to close with this verse. Philippians chapter 2. I love this. Your attitude, phreneo, that's the Greek word, it has to do with your mindset, the way you identify yourself. Paul is giving an exhortation to the church saying, this is how you should think of yourself. This is the mindset that you should have. And it should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Picture this. Who, speaking of Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But rather he made himself nothing. Jesus chose humility. All throughout scripture, you'll read that God doesn't necessarily humble us. Humility is something that we choose to bring upon ourselves. We do it through fasting. We do it through embracing those moments that we don't necessarily enjoy, but we know that it's forming something in us that God can use to bring into his glory. Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I love the next portion we're not going to read, but Jesus said, and that's why, and then God exalted him. The name that is above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. God will exalt you. There are promotions in store for you, church, that you have no idea to dream of. And I want to challenge you to dream big, to believe for the promises of God, but choose the humble places to begin and allow God to form your character there, and he will exalt you and promote you when that moment is right. He will step you into his promises. Be ready to step into that. But in the meantime, in the forming, in the process, allow him to form your heart and go the way of the king. And the way of the king is lowly. The way of the king is humble. 
And we step into that place willingly. I have a, a short video I wanted to share as we close out. And then Pastor Cindy's going to come and, and close the service up. But as you watch this video, I want your hearts to be pointed vertically. Just look at the Father. And when we worship him, the Bible says when we see him rightly as he is, so are we in this world. That when we see him the way that he is, when we worship him correctly, according to scripture, according to his true nature, that it actually forms something in our heart that we actually duplicate and reproduce in the way that we behave and act and love toward others. Amen? God bless you. Let's watch this video. It was that silent night when the stars turned their gaze to marvel at the earth. When the heavens gathered breathless round a lowly stable. When a young mother wept tears of worship, falling on the baby in her arms. And the song of the earth arose in Bethlehem soft as the tender beating of his heart and all was calm all was bright yet could this be the same god of abraham the conqueror of israel this baby this fragile life is this child the one who burned his name in rapture across the gasping skies whose voice spoke the oceans into crashing rhythms, who crafted the mountains into guardians of the firmament, whose hand ignited the thirst of the deserts and the warring surge of the elemental hosts, who breathed life from dust, broke the oppressor's rule, scattered the chains of his people like sand, and led them through the wilderness with the pillar of flame. Is this child the one whose presence billowed thunderous on Sinai's peak? Who surrounded Job with the roaring wind, stood defiant in the raging furnace, wrote judgment against tyrants, and blazed on the lips of the prophets, scorching history's pages with the fury of his might? Could this be the same God who chose to come as the vulnerable king? setting his throne on straw and manger, drawing forth the tears of shepherds, receiving the gifts of wandering travelers, his fame unknown in this world. He is Jesus, the one who thunders through the heavens, yet whispers to our hearts, who reigns victorious, yet bows to serve the broken. He is God in the fury, God in the silence. He holds this mystery balanced in his hands, holds our questions till they lose their need, until all we see is him. Just close your eyes for a moment. 
Jesus came and he walked this earth for a reason. And that reason is us. Because he wants a relationship with you. And he died on the cross a brutal death. He took all the sin. Every sin you'll ever commit, he took on that cross. You couldn't pay the price to get to heaven on your own, so he paid it for you. And he rose again, proving he's the one true living God. And he wants a relationship with you, not just for you to make it to heaven one day, but for you to live a life with him now. But it starts with that acknowledgement of saying, God, I, I, I can't do this by myself. I acknowledge you. You are the Savior. You are the one true living God. And I'm going to, from today, put my trust in you. I choose you, Jesus. He already chose you, but do you choose him? If you've never chosen Jesus before, if you've never, if you've never said, Lord, I choose you. I want you. I acknowledge you as my Savior and as my King. Then today is your day. Can I please have some music, guys? Today is your day. It starts with a simple acknowledgement. That's just the first step. That's just the first step through the doors. That's just the first step into his kingdom is by saying, I want to be part of it. If that's you, just raise your hand. We're going to pray a prayer. God's going to hear it. The angels are standing by. It's a simple acknowledgement. Lord, I want you. If you're coming back to the Lord, maybe you've walked away and you see, I see that hand. Thank you. If you've maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you're like, God, I, I want to give you my all like you gave me your all. I want to do 2024 with you, God. I'm tired of doing it alone. Then raise your hand right now. That's between you and the Lord. It's a moment between you and God. It doesn't matter who's watching. I see those hands. Thank you, guys. I'm going to have my ministry team come forward. I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me right now. I want to give those people an opportunity to raise their hands to come down to my ministry team. If you're a gentleman, come down to one of the gentlemen. If you're a lady, you can come down to the ladies to come and get prayer. This is a moment between you and God. It doesn't matter about who else is here. The ministry team is down front as well. If you want prayer for anything, if you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, then come down and pr get prayed for. If you need healing in your body, if you want somebody to stand with you, whatever you're going through, prayer works. Jesus is the answer. Don't think you have to do this alone. Amen? So if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come down as we close. Thank you, Pastor David. What an awesome message keeping our eyes on Jesus. Amen. He is the reason for this season. I want you to have a blessed week. I'll be preaching next week. We're going to be talking about the miracles of Christmas as we go into this amazing season. So be inviting somebody, be encouraged. Thank you for everybody watching online. And we love you guys. Jesus loves you more. Amen. Have a great day.